Men, go for it. Hello. Um, just gonna, can you just talk around to yourself while I get myself set up? I just realised my iPad's on... Um, uh, rec uh, is, it will, will lock so that it's gonna, not going to be allowing me to see what I'm doing. So um, that's not good. So if you can just talk amongst yourself just for two seconds. Are we not on? Yes, you are. Good. Just turn the, um, the volume up. Yeah, just so the, uh, where am I display? Right, I'm ready. Are you? Good morning. morning. So this is a bit scary. Um, and there's standing here in front of this amount of people when I've only stood in front of um, 20 or so, not even that, at Prayer and Vision. So you'll have to forgive me if I talk quickly, um, but I will try and talk slowly. And, but I know God wants me to be here. And... I pray that he will speak to you through what I've got to bring. So I was given a, a choice of two passages um, to speak on, and both of them are in Hebrews. The first one was in Hebrews 1, verses 1 to 2, and the one I'm actually going to talk about is he, uh, Hebrews 12, verses 1 to 3. Um, I chose the latter because God really, really, really spoke to me when I was reading it about that how, how he has a plan for me. And he's got a big plan. Um, so if you've got a Bible, please will you open it at Hebrews 12, verses 1 to 3. And it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. I exp I, um, joy, it's just stood out for me there. That's why I expressed it so much. So Paul starts this letter, part of the letter to the Hebrews, by referring back to the saints that have gone before, those that have finished their race, have completed the work that God set before them. Not that they're cheering from above, they're not watching us like, but they're, 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 they, were, they had gone before, they're witnesses to how our race, our life can be run in faith. He's referring to the likes of Abraham, Sarah, Moses, Gideon, Samson, David, amongst others. But it also points to men and women of more recent history that have run their... Sorry, lost my spot. ...who have endured hardship but have served God faithfully and have seen amazing fruit from their work. We're not alone. This, we're not on our own in this. We are part of a huge team of people. 
They are examples of faith and perseverance, of the fact that the race can be run, it can be finished, because others have done it, it can be done. Sometimes it can be hard. Things don't quite go as um, go to plan. They don't quite follow the path we expected or dreamed of. I can look back over my life and see times when things didn't go as I thought and dreamt they might. In fact, there were times when it just didn't seem possible that God was in it at all. But I know, looking back now, that God was with me all the way, supporting me, guiding me in the path he wanted me to take, even if I couldn't see it. Sometimes we can let... Get, think we can let things get in the way of our walk with God or we can just go against the, what he wants us to be doing. These things are the, that get in the way are the weights that Paul is talk, referring to in verse 1. But there is also the matter of our own sin, the things we do or don't do which do not honour our Heavenly Father. These things can also get in the way of the path that God wants us to take. We need to be prepared to put these things aside. We need to accept that we have to do that and turn from our sin. I know there's been all manner and still is all manner of things that get in the way of my personal relationship with God. This, for instance, is a huge um, pull to my life. Uh, Facebook in the pocket is sometimes not good. Um, and I need to be regularly prompted to put those things aside. That those things that take up my time keep me from spending time with my Heavenly Father and pressing in to what he wants, me to, wants of me. This is where we need to be listening to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes God says to me, why don't you read the Bible? Why don't you, why don't you come and talk to me? And I'm too busy with this. So, well, I'm talking to myself as well as everybody. Life is full of stuff that hinders us and from, from having a deep relationship with the Father. What is it that's stopping you? What is it that's weighing you down? What is it that's holding you back? What is it that's getting between you and God? We're all on a journey. Some of us are at the beginning and some are a little bit further down the road. Sometimes the road is flat and sometimes it can be quite mountainous. Where there is hardship, we need to endure and persevere. You know, no one ever said following Christ was going to be an easy ride. Why should it be? Christ himself didn't have an easy time, so why should we? In John 16, verse 33, it says, I have said these things to you, that you may have peace in the world. You, ha you may have peace. In the world, you will, you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. I'll say that again because I stumbled. I have said these things to you, that you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. In Hebrews 10, verse 36, it says, For you, of, you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. We're called to endure, and because that, if we endure, we will receive God's will for us. And in James 1, verse 25, it says, 
But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Again, uh, James is saying, if we persevere, we will receive God's blessing. Are you running your race? Are you living your life with endurance? Are you enduring? Or are you persevering? On a journey, we sometimes need to look back at the map and compass to see where we are and the direction in which we need to be going. If we don't, we are in danger of getting lost. We regularly need to refocus on Jesus so that he can show us the path he wants us to go. And God has a plan for us. He is the map and the compass. I know God has his hand in my life. He has a plan for me. But sometimes I can get frustrated at the fact that the plan doesn't always seem clear to me. Take us moving to Herne Bay. Looking back on the move here five years ago and the events that led us to the beacon, now I can clearly see that God was in the plan. God had a plan for us. But at the time, I really couldn't see it. It seemed like moving 70 miles away was just wasn't, wasn't a good thing. Away from friends, away from family, it just wasn't the right thing. Even though I knew that there were numerous good reasons for us to be moving. There, there were lots of things, but positives and lots of cons, pros and cons. I couldn't see that the, co- the pros and cons outweighed themselves, but... Um, there were good things, good reasons. But I didn't really see God in the process. I couldn't see why God would want us to be living in Herne Bay. But my beautiful wife did. She was sure, after just one viewing of the house that we're living in now, was the house that God wanted us to have. It was like when she stepped into the, across the threshold of the house. She knew that that was the house. At the time, it felt like all sorts of barriers were being put in place. Even down to the last minute when we almost lost, lost the mortgage just two weeks before we were due. So we were, we were almost to exchange and the mortgage company decided that we... We needed to get... The house had a, um, a two kitchens, and one of the kitchens was upstairs. And they needed to... The, the mortgage company decided they weren't going to give us the money unless the, house, the owner had removed that kitchen completely. And yet we hadn't exchanged. So if we'd walked out, they would have been with a house where they'd taken out one of the kitchens and... Then, it just didn't seem like things were going right. But somehow, that all just melted and went. God was in it. As you know, we're, well, I don't know whether, perhaps you don't know, we're still living in that house. And, in fact, we did decide to move recently. Um, last year, we were thinking of moving. But both Bev and I have felt that actually it's not God's timing for us to be moving at the moment, so we've put that on hold. 
I couldn't see that God had his hand in the plan, but was that because God wasn't showing me his plan or was it because I wasn't listening to God's prompting or pressing into what his plan might be for us? I saw a quote on Instagram earlier this week by a lady called Christine Kane. Um, she's a blogger and uh, she's, she does... A, yeah, she's a, she, I think she's Australian, um, but she's massive in America. And it says this, Pressing on in Christ is always an upward journey and it's always a forward journey. I think God wants us to constantly be looking to the future, looking forward, looking up, and to, to see his purposes and his plans for us. Sometimes we have to press hard to be sure what the plan is that God has for us. We need to be looking to see it, not just to let it happen. But we have to be aware of God's timing. Phil Moore, in one of his Straight to the Heart series of books, the Hebrews and James one, which I bought at New Day, actually, um, says this, He will empower us to keep on running as we fix our eyes on him in heaven. Our temporary suffering is not worth comparing with the eternal reward he will confer on us the moment we cross the finish line. Um, I don't know how many of you know the Bensons, Bob and Andrea. Um, they've, Bob's preached a few times here. Um, well, their eldest son, George, has had a long, long had a heart for worship and for leading worship. After his A-levels and before going to university, he did an impact year at King's Church in Eastbourne, um, where uh, Simon Brading, I think... No? Now at Brighton. He was at Eastbourne. Oh, the, OK. Um, this is the impact year. is similar to um, Relation Mission's ID course. While there, though, he never fully led worship in a main meeting. He was allowed to sing in the choir, and he led songs, a song or two in, uh, in the year. But mostly he did youth work, setting up for coffee and play, serving, cleaning, etc. And because of this, when the year was up, he went to university and he let his dream die. And he left it in God's hand to shape his future. Well, his meeting with Simon Brading, is, um, it encouraged, uh, in fact, it led to him being asked to lead worship at New Day this year and he did and God had fulfilled his dream also while we're at um, New Day we, we heard uh, Adrian Holloway um, speaking one morning and he told his of three dreams for his life um, and this is just one, the first part of it from the age of eight he wanted to be a football reporter he wanted to be paid to report on football matches he dreamt of being on first-name terms with football stars and of travelling on an airplane sitting next to the football team manager, England football team manager. He dreamt of being a sports reporter for the Times newspaper. And after he graduated, he needed to be on the number one postgraduate journalism training course in order to, to get where he wanted to go in London. But, unfortunately, he got a rejection letter. And he remembered kneeling on the floor in his room at university after opening the letter, saying out loud, God, where have you gone? The only other course that did this same thing was in Cardiff. He got on that course and had a fantastic time, apparently. And in 1992, there was a, after he finished the course, there was a severe uh, economic recession and there weren't many jobs, let alone jobs in um, 
sports journalism. But he got two job offers. One to be a reporter in a rugby reporter in the Gloucester Citizen, and, one, and the other to be a news sub-editor in, in the Birmingham Post. During his time at university, I believe that's when he became a Christian, or he, had, he was a Christian, and he had a but he had a passion to reach people and start new churches, and he wanted to be sure that it was God's plan that he took one of these jobs. Uh, he spoke to a friend, and his friend said that he thought that he should turn both jobs down and he should um, go and help uh, and start a new church in, on the Surrey-Sussex border in Rygate. He, after praying, he felt an enormous sense of peace that he should, turn, he should turn down both of these jobs and move to Sussex and help in this newly started church and then trust God that would, would provide for him. So he phoned both jobs back and moved to Rygate and started looking for freelance work in London to, to support himself. He managed to get some shifts working as a sports editor for the Times, just as a sub-editor. Then one night, all of the, um, the editors on the newspaper decided to leave and there was no one left. So he was the one on the subs bench. And it was him who wrote the back page link for that night. And from that day forward, he became a football reporter for the Times, a full-time football reporter for the Times. In a matter of weeks, he was reporting on premiership matches. And in a matter of months, he was on first-name terms with the football stars of the day. And three years after that, one, that night when he prayed, on a flight between London and Paris, Paris, he was sitting next to the England football team manager. <laughs> by being faithful to God, by putting him first, God fulfilled both George's and Adrian's dreams. Psalm 37, verse 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. You know, right now... I'm not sure I can be certain what God has in store for me in the future. But I do know that I need to be prepared to do anything and go anywhere to do the things he is asking me. And this is actually quite new to me. Um, in fact, it was one of the evening meetings at New Day that actually I, I said out to God out loud, I am prepared to go anywhere and do anything. What I know now is that I have to be completely sold out for God and not hold back in any way, not let, hold on to bits of my life, making sure that he is the centre of everything I do. He is the centre of everything I do. Not just giving him the leftovers of my life. We need to be constantly listening to what he, has, is, he is saying to us and asking him to show us his plan. It's a continual thing. It's not just a once only. It's something we need to do all the time. And when we are prepared to do be like this, it is at these times that God will reach out and bless us. And I have personal testimony of this, recent personal testimony. Um, I've suffered with asthma since I was a small boy. Early on in my life, it didn't really affect me. Um, but as I've grown older, older 
it has got progressively worse to the point where I've been taking daily medication to... So I've been taking um, a, a, a Ventolin and a steroid-based um, inhaler to, to, um, to help it. I've been blue-lighted to hospital more than once and spent New Year's Eve in a hospital ward on more than one occasion. Bev has found me on the sofa, unable to get to my medicine because I couldn't breathe and couldn't get up off the, off the sofa. And recently I've noticed that actually the, the, I've been waking up not being able to breathe and having to take my medicine more and more. But on Thursday, the 3rd of August, while we were at New Day, the evening meeting was aimed around prayer for healing. So when they asked us to concentrate on the sick and f sickness or physical pain we were he we, that we wanted healed, I stood and I held my chest, closed my eyes and fixed my mind on Jesus. And I just asked him to heal me, something I'm not sure I've ever done. Because I just, can't accept, I just kind of accepted that asthma was part of my life, it was part of me. Now, asthma is not really something you can easily check that it has been healed. So as, was, as the days went on, I gently started to find out whether actually, in fact, God had done anything. And at first, it did seem like my chest was less tight and there seemed, felt like there was more space. It felt like there was more space for my lungs and my lungs seemed to fill with air much easier. Could it be true? Could my G really have healed me? I don't know. I didn't know at the time. So I kept checking it out more and more. And as each day passed, while I was at New Day, the rest of the, rest of the week, I realised that my breathing was getting much easier. There was no tightness. So I've tested it a bit more. I thought, OK, well, there, I, was, I was going to, the, to have a shower on one of the... I think it was the... might have been the Saturday morning... I went, and I went, I went up, There's, it's, we were at the bottom, kind of at the bottom of the hill, and I, ran, I, I, I thought, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll go up to the top of the hill. I went to the top of the, the hill, the, there was a shower block, there was a big queue. So, okay, I, and I was late by this time, so I thought, okay, I'll just run. I ran all the way down the hill to the, another shower block, which had a big queue. So I ran back to the same one again. Ran, I didn't just walk, I ran. I haven't run properly without getting breathless for 20 years. And over the last few, and the last few days of New Year, I did. I just kept doing it. Not just jogging, I was sprinting. <laughs> I can honestly say that I believe God's healed me. I haven't taken, I haven't taken my um, uh, Ventolin. I haven't needed Ventolin on any day since New Day. And I haven't taken the preventative. I've got an awful cold and I've got a cough, but I haven't taken this stuff. When I got back, I thought, OK, I'll check my peak flow. And anybody with asthma knows what a peak flow. You breathe into a, a tube and it measures how much capacity your lungs have. Now, before I went away, my 
peak flow at the very best of times when I could, when I wasn't suffering and wasn't having a, a, uh, any attack, was about 450, which for a man my size, my age, the, my height, the, the, the lower limit of normal is 535. My peak flow hasn't been below 600 since I've got back. So, if this is God, what God has for me, just because I'm prepared to do anything, prepared to do anything and go anywhere, just think of the blessings he has for me, has for you, if, when, you when we actually do it. Having looked at God's plan for us, Paul then points us back to Jesus in verse 2. He is the founder and perfecter of our faith. He considered it a joy even though he knew how hard it was going to be. He knew what the outcome was going to be. He knew what the end goal was. But he also knew that what suffering was to come. But he's done the hard work. He started it. He completed it. He suffered physically and mentally the shame of death on the cross. He had to endure the total rejection, the total separation from his father. In Matthew 27, verse 46, it says, And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But he completed the work. He died, he rose again. In John chapter 19, verse 30, it says, When Jesus received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head, and gave up his spirit. And because Jesus has done it, we don't have to. He has done it all. He's completed the work. There's nothing we can do. But all we can do is give him our everything. But this is, is, this, is that the end or is it just the beginning? Our salvation is assured, but Jesus commanded that we go and share the good news with others. Mark 6, verse 15. And, it said, and he said to them, Go into the, all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole of creation. Do you have a sense of the plan for God has for you? Where he wants you to go? What he wants you to do? Are you prepared to go anywhere and do anything? Are you already doing it? We have to be prepared to step out of our comfort zone, away from our security, so that our security is in him. While, and I found another um, quote from a, uh, a lady called Becca Defelice. I can't really pronounce that. It says this, Oftentimes, God draws people to himself by drawing them out of their comfort zones. When we are estranged from comfort, we gain clarity on his redemptive work in our lives. Our faith grows roots when we, are, when we lack tangible stability. If you are making a hard choice or facing a tough transition, be encouraged that even the most painful interruptions can double as God's provision, that God is present and active in our midst, and that no road trip can ever lead us to a place where God hasn't already arrived. Are you prepared to do this? Are you prepared to step out in faith into something that feels scary 
and not very secure, giving up everything to do the work that God has for you. I know I am. Um, when, I was, when I was writing this, I, I, I felt that God wanted to minister to people, those who have been faithfully have been faithfully following his call on their lives and are maybe feeling a bit tired and downhearted and to those that aren't sure about their plan aren't sure that maybe even that God, Jesus, exists but if that's you don't step away from this moment seek one of us out and speak to the elders speak to Steve, David, me and We'll pray. I'm sure we'll pray, happily pray for you. Amen.